Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Game changers. It was my wife's birthday the other day. Friday was her birthday. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm Friday morning. I'm just sitting quietly by myself and I'm thinking back and I'm kind of counting that this year will be actually, um, it'll be 52 years since we first met. Uh, yes, we were, we started kindergarten the same day. Uh, so, so yeah, 52 years since we first met, and, and, and uh, a lot of you heard the story before. We met at Bible College. Um, she was already there. I'd gone up for an open day they had, and uh, when I went to the open day, I saw her there and thought, she looks nice. <laughs> Come on, I'm an 18-year-old boy. Come on, okay? So, so there we go. My mind was on two things, theology and girls. Uh, so... But, but that was the start of it, and, and, and that's how it developed. Great place, to, uh, great place to meet somebody who's going to be your wife and your partner in ministry, actually. Someone who's there in Bible college who wants to serve God. Today I'm going to tell a story that goes quite in the, an opposite direction. It's a Bible story. I, I, I want to dip into the little-known or read book of Hosea, that's in the middle of the Bible, and I want to talk about Hosea and the story of unconditional love that there is in the book of Hosea. Now, let me give you a background to Hosea. The background is this. Hosea is the prophet, okay? So, he's the person who's God's voice to the whole of the, the, the Israeli nation. So, he's the prophet. It's like, you know, if, if, there, was, if there was any one prominent pastor or something in this country you'd revere above everybody else, like perhaps Billy Graham was for so many years. So he's like, he's, he's there. He's, he's like the big church leader. And one day as he's praying, he feels God speaking to him and God says to Hosea, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Can you imagine? Like the, the, the leading religious figure in the whole country is going to go marry a prostitute. Now, now, what about, doesn't the Bible say you shouldn't be unequally tied together with unbelievers? Trouble is, that bit wasn't written. What, what was everybody going to think? Can you imagine social media would absolutely blow up? Can't believe it. Never did trust him. Hosea married a hooker. Really, it's like, you know, they're not, you know, it's going to absolutely go mad and going to tear the guy apart. And, and, and how does he go about marrying a hooker? No, really. I mean, what do you do? E-harmony? I, no, you know, he's a prophet. He'll go to christianmingle.com, right? So, so he goes to Christian Mingle, and, and then you put in some of your preferences, 25 to 30 years old, uh, some college education, uh, enjoys sport, um, must be a committed follower of God, and a prostitute. 
right? It's like, how, 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 do, you go, how do you even go about doing that? But, but I, I, don't, I don't know how that all happened, but, but, but it did. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 2, here we go. It's in the book. I'm not making this up. The first time God spoke to Hosea, He said, find a whore and marry her. Make this whore the mother of your children. That's quite incredible, really, right? And he does. So he finds a woman who's a prostitute. Her name was Gomer, and he marries her. And he has a son by her and a daughter by her. And then after some time, they have a third child. And he discovers somehow or other, the third child is actually not his. And then when he confronts her about the third child, she leaves him and she goes back to her life as a prostitute. And then after a while... God says to Hosea, go and find Gomer and bring her back into your home. Hosea chapter 1, here. Uh, sorry, Hosea chapter 3. The Lord, then God ordered me. <laughs> you see that word? That's significant. I guess he really didn't want to do it, right? Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's been in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife, love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. I did it. I paid good money to get her back. It cost me the price of a slave. So he goes after her, and he finds her, and when he finds her, uh, the people that she was working for didn't want to, they weren't just going to let her go, so they said, if you, know, if you want her back, then you're going to have to pay the price for her, and he says, so I had to pay. It was the same money as if I paid to buy a slave. So he paid basically the value of another life. Okay, so you're sitting here this Sunday morning, and you're saying, okay, so what on earth has this all got to do with me in 2020 in Medford? Well, here's the thing. This actually was intended to be a message to the people of Israel and a picture for the people of Israel that God loved them despite the fact that they were sometimes unfaithful to Him, that God loved them despite the fact there were times they went after other gods and started worshiping other gods, that God still loved them. The God who picked them up when they were nobody was the God who came after them whenever they wandered. And the message to the people of Israel was God loved them unconditionally. Right? Okay, forget Israel for a moment. As we read this today, the story's simple. It's not rocket science. You won't get that ever from me. I just do simple. You and I are the woman, and God is Hosea. God is the one who loves us despite our comings and goings. Hello? God loves us However, we might at times have fallen back. 
And he loved us enough to pay the price for us to be his, which was the price of the life of another, his son, to buy us back. The the game changer I'm talking about today is not Hosea the prophet actually as such. It's not a person. The game changer today is this fundamental freeing truth. God loves us unconditionally. Amen? I'll say it again. You can say amen again, but with conviction. God loves us unconditionally. And getting a hold of that is the really fundamental foundation of the life of freedom that is promised us in Jesus. Because there are so many people who are followers of Christ who live their lives knotted up, guilty, feeling they're not fit, wondering if they're worthy, not sure if God still loves them because they haven't grasped the fundamental fact that God loves us unconditionally. He married us. He chose us when we were nobody and sometimes less than that and we're in a very bad place. God met us in a bad place. God brought us to Himself. There have been times when we have wandered. There have been times when we've gone off by ourselves. But the fact is God still loved us. God still looks for us and God still brings us back because his love is unconditional. That's a foundational truth. That's a foundational truth. You can't live in freedom as a child of God unless you really start to grasp the foundational truth that God's love is unconditional. We, we sometimes sing the song. I think we sang it here in our worship night Tuesday. Uh, some, one of the lines goes, Oh, the uh, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I love that. God isn't reckless, but from a human perspective, sometimes you know, it's like, really? Like, Hosea, you're really going back for her? Reckless. God's overwhelming love. In, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter Uh, 31 in verse 3, it says this, God told them, I'll never quit loving you. Sorry, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. There are too many people who expect God to punish them, who expect things to go wrong because of mistakes they've made or because they're not up to scratch. But the truth is, God said, here's what you should be expecting. Love, love, and more love. Stop looking over your shoulder. Stop hanging your head in shame. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says this. It says, God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. All right? That's the reality, okay? I don't think there's anybody here, there's nobody here I know who actually has that big an ego that they think they were doing God a favor when they committed their life to Jesus, right? God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love. He did it out of Sheer love. Did you ever see a couple get together like, and, and like you say, I want you to meet my new boyfriend here. And, uh, and you meet the new boyfriend and think, whatever do you see in him? <laughs> so he works the other way around, right? The guy says, oh, I got this great girlfriend. You think, what the heck? 
right? You've been there, right? But thank God you didn't voice it. Well, I hope you didn't. Anyway. So God gets a hold of us, and God extends his love to us, and it's like, what the heck? It isn't that he saw anything in us. It's just that he loved us. He saw beyond the faults. He saw beyond the flaws. He saw beyond the sin, and God chose to love us. God loves us unconditionally. I'm hoping that if nothing else, you're going to hear today with those four words in your minds afresh. God loves us unconditionally. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, it says this. It says, there's one thing I remember, and remembering it, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. God's love will never run out. His merciful love will never dry up. We live under the canopy of the unconditional love of God. That's the starting point. That, that's, what, that's what God wanted to show Israel, and He did it through like a living parable with the life of Hosea and with Gomer, his wife. But He wanted them to get this truth that it's like, you know, I love you because I love you, and you can't stop me loving you. And it's important to grasp that. And it's particularly important to grasp that because many of us here this morning, we come from a background where we were constantly told we were not good enough. And we come from even a church background where we were constantly told what we had to do to please God and things we did that made God very angry with us and what we had to do to avoid the punishment that might come from God. And so we live with this picture of a God who's like a miserable old man that I better be really careful I don't tick him off. But the truth is, I'm probably never going to be good enough. And, and, and by the grace of God, we, we need to be able to get rid of that thinking and get to the place where we recognize we weren't good enough to start with. That was never a requirement, right? Never a requirement that we're good enough. You know, the only requirement was very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You trust Jesus, you're going to be saved. That was the requirement. God's done it all. The unconditional love of God. Now, God wanted His people, Israel, to really get a hold of His unconditional love. Now, I know a few weeks ago when Charlotte um, spoke about the, the, the life of Jonah, I, I met a few people who said, well, I, I hadn't really seen the book of Jonah that way before. And several people said, I actually went home and read through the book of Jonah again. Now, if you go home and read through the book of Hosea, uh, and, and some of you, you, know, you might fully realize it's there. It's a little book, and it's amongst all those little books that it's impossible to remember where each of them is. Um, you, you might not even have heard this story before I shared it today. If you go and try to read through it all, you may well get confused as we get into the middle of it. So, you know, what I'm going to do skip the middle. Because what, I'll tell you what's happening, though. I, I'm not going to go in detail. I'll tell you what's happening. At the start of it, God with this picture wants to tell His people, I love you, I love you, I love you. And, and even though you've wandered, even though you do things wrong, I love you. Then, then there's a whole load of chapters where Hosea is saying to God's people, here's some areas where you need to look at. Here's why you need to give God your whole heart. Here's why da 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 And then at the end of the 
end of the book, which is where I'm going to jump to in a moment, at the end of the book, there's an invitation. And the invitation is this, chapter 14 and verse 1. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. God starts with this, you know, I want to drive home this point. This is how much I love you. This is how I love you. And so on the basis of that, fast forward, return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Say to him, you're messing up and you have messed up, but I love you unconditionally. Come back. Come back. It was quite amusing. Uh, well, I don't know if I meant to say amusing, but I just did. Uh, the other week when Charlotte was speaking on Jonah and and uh, we, were, we were at home watching Jill and I because uh, I'd had the surgery. And um, she said, I really believe there's, there's one person here who needs to hear this. And so many people came to her after service and said, I was the one. And mischievously, I said, after the first one, you should have said, no, sorry, it wasn't you. We, al- we already had the one. <laughs> sorry, that's bad, isn't it? I'm sorry. Because, you know, the the beauty of preaching is there's a supernatural element to preaching where God takes words from our hearts, from our notes that we share, and God takes them and God uses them to speak encouragement and life and hope in people right across. And I totally believe here this Sunday morning, there is more than one person who really needs to hear God's Word that says, hey, return to me. Return to me. Come on. You know, to some degree, every Sunday morning is, is like a bit of a return to the Lord, isn't it? And, you know, just like, did, did you ever drive down the road and, and like you're adjusting your radio? And as you're adjusting your radio, you look, I don't know how this happened. A friend told me it happened to him. And, and you adjust your radio, and then you suddenly glance up and realize you're, 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 kind of, you're veering off. Never happened to you? Okay. Yeah. You pull it back in. Pull it back in. And we spend life in so many areas pulling it back in, pulling it back in. And there's a sense in which every Sunday morning we do. I don't mean to say, you know, we, we have a great time here Sunday morning worshiping together, and then we go out and kind of, you know, uh, you know, spend the rest of the week in all kinds of stuff that God wouldn't be pleased with, so Sunday morning we pull it back in. No, I'm not saying that. R- really what happens on a Sunday morning very often is, is, is just, just to get our focus back to the Lord after the craziness of a week. Return to the Lord. He goes, hey, 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 return to me. Hey, hey, I've got you. I've got this. I've got everything that's going on. God says, return to me. There's that invitation. And then this, this is, by the way, why Charlotte said earlier that if you go into the Bible app, you get the notes from my teaching because I'm already thinking I'm not going to get every, through everything that I prepared for today. That's what she meant. She meant I talk a lot, but she's, got not, she's not the right person to say that anymore. But anyway, uh, but here's what God says in that 14th chapter. This is the result of recognizing God's unconditional love. And there are three things it tells us that God will do. And God says, firstly, here's what it says, that God will heal us. In chapter 14 and verse 4, God says to them, listen, if you return to me, I will heal your waywardness. I will heal your waywardness. 
There's a verse that says a similar thing in Jeremiah chapter 30 and, and verse 17. It's, God says, as for you, I'll come with healing, curing the incurable, because they all gave up on you and they dismissed you as hopeless, that good-for-nothing Zion. God says, I will come with healing. You see, we are all broken people, but that is not our permanent state. Because what God is doing in us and for us means that we are broken people that are being healed. We are broken people who are being renewed. We are being restored. And, and you know, our focus needs to be not on our brokenness, but our focus needs to be on how far the grace of God has brought us. Our focus needs to be not dwelling where our life was, but where by God's grace our life is and where God is taking us. I love this thing that God says here. God says, I'll come to you. He says, if you return to me, He says, I will, I will heal you. I thought that word was interesting. God doesn't say, if you return to me, when you return to me, I'll forgive you. I guess that's a given. But not only does He say here, I'll forgive you, He says, I'll heal you. Did you ever get messed up? I know you missed an hour of sleep, but st <laughs> stick with me, right? Right? So it, it is, and, and even sometimes through stuff that we've done that wasn't good or wasn't wise and wasn't a good choice, and, and you know, we, we, the, the, the fact is it, it, it may mess us up, it may mess our life up in different ways, it may mess up the lives of other people. And, and what God says here to Israel is this, look, because I love you unconditionally, if you will return to me, then here's what I'll do. I'm not just going to forgive you, but I will heal you. I love that. God heals the wounds. God's, God, God heals the scars. God heals the pain. God heals the torment. God heals the guilt. God says, if you recognize once you live in the fact that I love you unconditionally, God says, I will heal you. I will heal you. I'm going to rush on here. The second thing he says, it says, God will heal us. And then it says this in chapter 14, it says, God will love us. So, well, didn't you say that already? Isn't that the foundation of this? Well, yes and no. Verse 4, here, here's, here's, the, here's the phrase. God says, I will love them lavishly. I will love them. So, God's love is unconditional. But God says, I will love them lavishly. When we live recognizing God's unconditional love, we are aware of lavish love He gives us. You know, you know that's, that's, like, that's like when we, when we did get married, Jill and I, it, you, know, you know, the pastor said, well, you, you promised to love her, something or else, honor and keep. <laughs> All right, I just blew that one, right? Okay. So, it was a week or two ago, okay? All right, will you love her? Anyway, a few things. <laughs> it's bad. All right, but I remember love, all right? And you know what I said? I said, I will. But the fact I said 50 plus years ago now, I will, is like, that's not, you know, I will, and that's like the end of the story? No. 
No, and, and you see, God has committed himself unconditionally to us, but then he keeps their acts of love and of generosity and kindness that God keeps showing to us. We, we were, um, we were um, in a position, uh, traditionally the start of the year is a slower year with, with, with any church's finances. It's a quieter time of year. And you remember with our Christmas services, um, which were our biggest services of the year, we gave away the whole offering, which is great. It's great. But we were running, we, we were running very tight. And we'd come to a position where it, it was, you know, it was every, all the bills are paid, everything's good. Don't get me wrong here. I just, want to show, I just want to tell you something. Where we keep a small reserve just in case, like, you know, the roof caves in or, you know what I mean? Keep a small reserve because it's smart. We, we were going to have to dip into that this past week. And last Sunday in the offering, there was a very, very generous check that was just the exact amount of what we were going to pull out of our reserves. Right? See, now, I don't know about you, but I, think, I take that as a little reminder, God loves you. Now, I know He loves me. Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to hear it now and again, isn't it? You know, right? It's nice to hear it now and again. So, so you know, with, 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 with people we care about, we, we tell them that we love them, or we do things that show them that we love them. And, and God's promise to Israel is this, you know, I love you unconditionally, and because I love you unconditionally, here's what I'm going to do. I will heal you, and, and I will love you. I will lavish my love upon you. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19, Paul's praying for these believers in Ephesus. He says, I pray that you will know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Isn't it? Wow, that was a bit of my old West Country in England coming out there. That's an interesting phrase, is it not? To know His love that you can't know, right? To know His love that passes knowledge. He said, I, I want you to know this love so that then you'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God will heal us. God will love us. Have you got that? Are you, you're a little slow this morning. God will, he, God will heal us. You guys over here, just you I'm talking to now. You got that? You got that? God will heal us, right? Okay, so tell it back to me. What will God do? God will heal us. Okay, you get the next bit. God will heal us. What are you? God will love us. Love us. John, love us. throw up the next one. Oh, number three. God will. All right, let's try that again. God will. God will. God will. Love us. God will. And if you're watching online, you've got to say all three. God will heal us. God will love us. God will refresh us. I love this stuff. That's God's promise to us. When we recognize I don't have to strive and I don't have to be like guilty all the time and I don't have to wonder. The fact is God loves me unconditionally and because He loves me unconditionally, God will... You've got to stay awake now. God will... God will... God will... It's a smaller section, but you, you, you keep it up there. That's good. God will heal us. God will love us. God will... Refresh us. I love that statement. Chapter 14 and verse 5, I got that from refresh us. God says, I will be like the dew to Israel. So as dew refreshes the ground, 
God says, that's how I'm going to be. Psalm 63, the writer says this. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. God refreshes us. When life sucks the energy out of us, God refreshes us. When worry tears us apart, God refreshes us. If we're living, recognizing we are unconditionally loved, God heals us. God loves us. God refreshes us. You good with that so far? Okay, now we'll come to the second half. This is where we jump over a lot of stuff. Because here's, here, here's what it says in chapter 14. You see, chapter 14 then is the outcome. At the beginning, it's getting this whole point. God loves us unconditionally. Chapter 14 tells us then, then here's what God will do. God will heal us. God will love us. God will refresh us. And then it goes into three things that we will do. What will happen to us as a result of that? The first thing it says is this. It says, we will flourish. I like that too, don't you? You know, I love that. How's it going? Yeah, so-so. How's it going? Working away. Now, here's God's promise for you and me. God says when we're living, aware of, enjoying His unconditional love, that we will flourish. Take a look there at what it says in, in Hosea chapter 14 and verse 5. God says, he will blossom like a lily. Uh, lilies are the big white things, right? Yeah. Are we good? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't do that stuff. I, I was told not to do it anymore when I thought I was weeding some, a flower bed and <laughs> was later informed that I had accidentally taken out good flowering plants. Anyway. But God's promise to us is you will blossom like a lily. Hey, he's talking to Israel. He's talking to Israel, who he compared to a prostitute. He's talking to these people who, who like he had loved and he'd showered his goodness upon and they'd run off after other people. And God says, but, but here you go. I love you unconditionally. You will blossom like a lily. Hey, there's something for all of you this morning. Now, if you're like six foot three and 250 pounds, you may say, I don't want to be a lily. You're stuck with it. You will blossom like a lily. No, here's one with you. Here's one for you then. The next thing is he will flourish. The next thing is it says... We will stand firm. When we're under the canopy of God's unconditional love, we can stand firm. Verse 5, Hosea chapter 14. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. Okay, you taller guys who don't want to be a lily. A cedar of Lebanon. But we can be both. God says we will flourish. God says we will stand firm. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us this. It says, backtracking, or just give you the background here, God, God's talking about the people that He gives to the church to build up the church. People, he talks about people in ministry. He says their point is to help believers grow, and here's the ultimate goal, that we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. God wants us to live in the place where we're not kind of just windswept, tossed about, you know, does God love me? Doesn't He love me? Am I still a believer? Am I not a believer? Am I going to get into heaven? Am I not going to get into heaven? God wants us to be in the place where aware of His unconditional love, we stand firm. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Right? That's it. That's it. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. How do you know that? It's all about Him. Ask Him. Because God loves me unconditionally. We will flourish. We will stand firm. And then, then, then this, finally, we will bless others. Verse 7, people will dwell again in His shade. Okay, you got, you got a picture of the culture of very hot land and say, basically what He's saying is you're going to provide shade, comfort for other people. Others will be blessed when we're living under God's unconditional love. We become a blessing to others. God loves us unconditionally. And if we will just really open up our hearts to God's unconditional love, there are three things that He says He will do. God will… Oh, we messed you up. God will… God will… God will, and then we will, we will, we will, unbelievable. No, it's unbelievable, the, 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 the love of God for us. And we live, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've been into, it doesn't matter how times, many times you might have wandered, wandered but God loves us unconditionally. And God came after us. And in order to have us back, He paid a price. The price was Jesus. We're going to end our service a little differently today. We're going to share communion together. As the band